0: life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. But Gadaliah was a descendant of Shaphan. Do y'all remember who Shaphan was? He's the guy that helped King Josiah, do all those reforms to get everybody to turn back to the Lord again. This guy named Gedaliah that just got set up as governor, this is Shaphan's son, the son of a man that knew we needed to get right with the Lord. That seems to be just the thing we need, right? Maybe we can start a a revolt out of this with this governor. Maybe he's playing like he's their guy. Okay, Babylon, I'll do whatever you tell me. We got a Babylon pro-Babylon governor now, but he's really not, maybe he's going to shake things up a little bit. Okay, well, wait a minute. It wasn't God's will for there to be a revolt. I want you to watch this, though. Gedaliah was also a friend of the prophet Jeremiah, and Jeremiah actually advised Shaphan, you need to cooperate with these Babylonians, because Jeremiah knew that the Babylonians were being used as instruments of God's judgment. Jeremiah understood what was going on. He didn't like it. It's like the way I look at my beloved United States of America. It's going down and it's going down fast. I don't like it, but I understand it. I understand that the Lord God is trying to get people to turn back to him. They haven't, and so judgment is here. But anyway, we have this guy, Gedaliah. He seemed to have this pro Babylonian stance. He told all these guys, hey, you need to do whatever they tell you, you do what the king of Babylon says. You'll, it'll go well with you. You'll live fine, but don't cross this man. So I think because he looked like he was pro Babylonian, that's probably why he was chosen to be the governor because they figured he would do whatever he was told. If the Babylonian said, jump, he would say, how high do you want me to jump? Okay. So Jerusalem was so destroyed. You couldn't do anything with it. Gadaliah, the new governor, he set up his headquarters eight miles north of there at a place called Mizpah. So all these guys that I just had the hardest time trying to pronounce their name, <laughs> these guys were Egyptian leaders that had escaped from being executed. They're having trouble with the Babylonians themselves. So it seems apparent that the reason why they came running to Gedaliah is they wanted to see what can we do about the Babylonians? What can we do to break free? Maybe we can form an alliance. Maybe we can go against Babylon. But all Gedaliah could say was, hey. You better serve Nebuchadnezzar if you expect to live well. You don't challenge this guy. Just go and live in your own land. Don't challenge him. He's too strong. This is for your own good. But I want you to see what happens here. Second Kings twenty five twenty five. But it happened in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Eleshama, of the royal family, came with ten men and struck and killed Gedaliah the Jews as well as the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. And all the people, small and great, and the captains of the armies, arose and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. Okay, well, he's gone. Uh, This governor just come up, and he was the son of a guy that that caused reform. Let's rebuild the temple. You think this guy was about to really do something and get him out of this, right? But, you know, it's like one of those James Bond movies. I don't know if you like James Bond movies or not, but there's been times where he was been caught in a real situation, and he had, you know, that perfect gadget that would get him out of trouble. I mean, it was just the right gadget at the time. And James Bond is about to use it, and, but suddenly he slips or he stumbles, and it falls down a cliff or it goes off in the water or something. And now that perfect gadget that would have got him out of there is gone. And so now you're left thinking, well, now what's he going to do? You know, movies like to do that, to drive up the tension, to make the situation seem more hopeless. You've got this perfect thing to get you out of trouble, but then all of a sudden it's gone. Now what do you do? I mean, it looked like this could have become a way for Judah to get out of trouble with Gedaliah as governor. Now, here we have this direct descendant of a priest that worked on repentance, reform, He's a friend of prophets. This has got to work out. He's going to get Judah out of this mess, right? But no, Gedaliah is assassinated now. Friends, God really struck down and removed all hope of anyone raising this nation back up again. God did not want Judah raised back up right here at this time. God wanted the nation struck down. I really need us to focus in on this. Every man's effort is not going to work. Everything a mere man can do is not going to work. When God wants something struck down, it's going to get struck down. And there's not, there ain't no man, there ain't no woman, there ain't nobody is going to raise anything back up until God chooses to raise it up himself. Friends, in our case, you can only be saved and raised up to life by Messiah Jesus, according to the work he did on the cross, you can't save yourself. There's no work that you can do that pitches in or adds to or helps out with your salvation. Only the Lord God can save you. Nothing you do helps him with it. It's all a work of the Lord and a work of his of His own. So I can see some of that paralleling here in this story in Second Kings 25. Let's move on to verse 27. Now it came to pass in the thirty seventh year of the captivity of Jehoiakin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the twenty seventh day of the month, that Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, released Jehoiakin, king of Judah, from prison. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakin changed from his prison garments. And he ate bread regularly before the king's all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day, all the days of his life. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. But what in the world's going on here? (laughs) Everything's bad. And then all of a sudden, something happened good. Um, the last few verses of the book of Jeremiah if you read the very tail end of the book of Jeremiah it says the very same thing that we just read here remember he knew Jeremiah Jeremiah lived in that day these guys all know each other okay but this is kind of a strange story okay think of it king Nebuchadnezzar dragged Jehoiakim away and put him in prison this was a different king before uh chapter 25 here he was a form he was the king before but then suddenly 37 years later Why? He's been in prison almost 40 years, and suddenly he's being treated very, very well by the next king after Nebuchadnezzar. What's happening here? Okay, I want us to review Jehoiakim's life here, because I think there's something really good for us to get out of this. First off, Jeremiah predicted that the Lord God would cast Jehoiakim off the throne of David from Judah because of all the crazy, wicked, evil stuff that Jehoiakim had committed, just like all the other kings before and after him. And so this brought a very deep curse upon Jehoiakim. Let's look at it at Jeremiah 22 verse 30. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper, sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Okay, so what you have here is this super mega cursed man. He was terrible, wicked, beyond wicked. He had killed. He had done a lot of terrible things. He committed great, great sins. His wickedness was unheard of. As a matter of fact, he only sat on the throne for three months, okay? That is one bad dude right there. So because of his sin, he lost everything. He lost his throne. He lost his land. He lost his kingdom. He lost pretty much his whole life that he had been living, and now he's been put away as condemned as a captive. But then, when this new king came to power here, after Nebuchadnezzar, apparently the policy changed from what Nebuchadnezzar's way was of doing things. So, this new king comes in, he's thinking different. I think he was influenced by God to think different about Jehoiakim, to give him such favor. Now, why why did why did this happen though? Now, the text does not specifically say what happened over the course of 37 years, but I believe if you read between the lines here, if you go with the flow, the the way the Bible presents the story in its context, if you read in between the lines, I believe that somewhere within those 37 years, Jehoiakim repented of what he had done and got right with the Lord God. So what we see from Jehoiakim's story are two things here. We see God's righteous judgment. He was dragged away like everybody else. He was condemned. He's a captive, put in the slammer, Slam the door shut. You're in prison clothes now. But we also see, aside from God's judgment, we also see God's merciful grace on the same guy. Something big changed. Think about it. A man who committed wicked sins lost everything, but after being humbled down in prison, and it took a whole 37 years to do it, after he was humbled down, then he was raised back up again. He was raised up to a good position again, even better than the other kings that were condemned with him. I want you to look what Jesus said in Luke fourteen eleven says, for whoever exalts himself, exalt means raise raise up, for whoever lifts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is basically saying if you work so hard to try to raise yourself up and try to be so high and mighty and awesome, the Lord God is going to put you down. But if you will go ahead and bow yourself down and be humbled and get down in humility on your own, then the Lord God will raise you. Now, Jehoiakim, he sinfully abused his royal authority. We remember that. And so the Lord had to bring him down. But where it says, look at this. Look at where it says he took off his prison clothes. That is the, oh, after a long book of judgment and blood and guts and all this terrible stuff, that is the best thing. That is a glorious moment when he took off those prison clothes. That was a glorious moment that marked when he Was set free. Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Oh my gosh, guys, this is so good. What a way to end the book. (laughs) This bad dude. Really bad, had everything. He lost it in a big hurry because he sinned and he wouldn't pay attention to the Lord God. He was humbled down, a long humbling down. But now something changed. I believe he repented and got right with the Lord. I believe he repented of his sin and got right. And so, even though this was a man who once had heavy, heavy judgment thrown at him, it was repentance that brought about a new policy to be placed on him. It brought a change, which then set him higher than all the others. Friends, it's important for us to recognize that just because Jehoiakim got right with the Lord, that doesn't mean his kingdom was given back to him, okay? That's something I think we need to really observe here. He still remained in deportation in Babylon. He didn't get to go back home to Judah. He was still in Babylon, but he did get treated well. What I see here is that Jehoiakim's sins, they produce consequences that he certainly had to live with, even though he got right with the Lord. I had a friend that was on drugs, and he got off drugs because he got set free by the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. He repented of his sins. Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I did. It was wrong. I give you my life. Good for him. He got right with the Lord, okay? But then a few years later... His teeth started falling out, and he was very upset about it. He says, but I I gave my life to the Lord. Why are my teeth falling out? Because he produced consequences that came with his sin. I always say, you can choose the sins you want, but you never get to pick the consequences that come with it. And sometimes, often, usually, those consequences of sin will stay with you even after you get right with the Lord. But I want to tell you, even though he was losing his teeth, he still had joy in the Lord God. He went to the dentist. They fixed that up. He was still happy in the Lord, even though his consequences were still with him. So Jehoiakim's sins, they had produced a lot of consequences that he still had to live with, even though he got right with the Lord. He was still in captivity. He still remained in deportation in Babylon. He didn't get to go home and back to Judah. So Jehoiakim's sins produced consequences that he still had to live with. Even though he got right with the Lord, but the Lord was still able to bless him in the consequences. Friend, maybe you have committed some terrible sins in your past. I know you have. We all have. I've committed mine. And those sins produce consequences that you still have to live with today. Maybe you're frustrated that you think God was supposed to take the consequences away because you gave your life to him and he hasn't done it yet, so now you're mad at him. Friends, getting right with the Lord does not mean that the consequences will go away, nor does it mean that God has to put you right back into the life that you fell away from. God was not going to put Jehoiakim back on a throne. That was too much temptation over there in Judah to go right back to sinning again. So he left him in Babylon. It was probably a better place for him to be than to be a king again. So just because you get right with the Lord, that doesn't mean he's going to give you your old life back. Friends, getting right with the Lord means that you actually have to die to your old life. You have to be dead to that old life. You can't go back to it anymore. Jehoiakim was a wicked king, but the Lord humbled him down. He would never sit on that throne again. But this new blessing that he was given, even though he was in Babylon, it was still better than what he had before, because now he was able to receive this blessing with a pure heart, having been freed from the hardened heart that he once had. First Peter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Friend, did you know that God cares for you? A lot of people don't understand that. I had a coworker who would come to work one day, and he said, I just realized last night that God cares about me. And I was shocked that he said that because he said he was a Christian, but he didn't understand that God cares for him. God cares for you. Well, why isn't he doing something about all my problems? Well, you know, think about Jehoiakin. Uh, I know you don't like what's going on, but remember, we're the sinner, not God. We're the ones that started this up, not him. Don't shake your fist at God. God's got every right to shake his fist at us. You know, Jehoiakim's version of due time, though, it says that in due time that God will exalt you in due time. Jehoiakim's version of due time took 37 years before he got humbled down. It took Jehoiakim 37 years, almost 40 years, before he chose to get right with God. But friend, I want you to understand, you don't have to wait 37 years. You don't have to wait one year. You can choose to get right with the Lord God today. But to get right with the Lord God, you have to bow your knee. That means you have to submit to His authority. Stop saying, I can live my life on my own terms my life, my way, I'm going to do what I want to. I don't care what God says. See, that's not bowing to the Lord God. Bowing to the Lord is, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. Bowing to the Lord means, Lord, I'm going to start doing what you tell me to do. I'm going to stop doing what I want to do. You've got to bow the knee and say, Lord, I get it now. I I finally understand. I'm, I'm sinful. And I give you my life because I've done nothing but wreck it. I've done nothing but made it terrible. Lord, take over. That's what you have to say. That's getting humble before the Lord God. And despite whatever bad things you've ever done in your best, repentance can bring you into great blessing. But understand that getting right with God doesn't bring your old life back. It means your old life dies. Friend, your life as it is right now, if you want to get right with the Lord God, you have to understand that the life you're living now has to cease to exist. You have to die to it. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, friends, when you are crucified with Christ, you're supposed to be gone you're not supposed to be in your old life doing the same old things anymore. You are supposed to be dead. Jehoiakim had to lose his old life before he could take off his prison clothes. So, friends, if you want to be set free for new life in Messiah Jesus, you have to lose your old life. But I guarantee you that being set free by Jesus is better than anything you have ever had before. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, You may think you're having fun now, but I promise you, I covenant promise you that you are not having the fun and the joy and the peace that you could be having in Jesus Christ right now. It just doesn't compare. You want to be set free? I want you to hear John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free. Indeed. Do you want that? Do you want that peace, that set free? You're tired of your old life. I always say, if you're sick and tired of your old life, give it to Jesus. He'll give you another one, a new one. But I want to ask you, how long are you going to wear those prison clothes? Maybe you think you've given your life to Jesus and you're discovering you really haven't. When are you going to take those prison clothes off? You don't need to wear them anymore. You need to be clothed by the righteousness of the Lord God. That means you have to wear His clothing, everybody's going to see you in it. Everybody's going to say, that's a Christian. He's not doing what he used to do. He's doing what God says. And for some reason, if you don't want to do it, well, I don't want to do what God says. I want to do what I say. Well, you saw how long it took Jehoiakim. How long is it going to take you? Your sin will be dragged off and made captive one way or another. Let me give you your choice. Your sin is either going to be dragged off and made captive with you. Condemned, which means condemned with you, because we're the ones that committed our sin, okay? It'll be either condemned with you, or it'll be condemned with Christ. If you let it go to the Lord Jesus, it gets condemned on him. But make no mistake, one way or another, your sin will be condemned. It will be dragged away. It will be deported and taken captive. God warned Judah. And they didn't listen, and then the time came. I'm warning you now don't wait until the time comes when it's too late. Get right with Jesus now. And here's how you can do it. You need to pray this, you need to be real about it. I, I don't know what you're doing. I can't, I can't pray this for you. You have to pray it, but I'll lead you, okay? Father God, I have messed up. My life is not working. My life is sinful. I understand that now. And Lord, I, I don't want it to take any more years to finally wake up and smell the roses. I have now understood from your word, I need to get right with you. So I give you my life. Take over. Crucify me with you. I'm going to die right now to my life. And Lord, whatever that new life is that you're about to give me, let's just go experience it together. Show me what it is. I'm excited. You're the boss now. I will obey you. I'll do what you say. I'm going to stop turning from you and turn towards you. Father, forgive me for being such a knucklehead and save me. Thank you, Lord God, that you came for me and you didn't have to. Thanks for dying in my place and taking my penalty for me. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer, you just got saved. And you can't go back to your old life. Stay out of there. Stay out of that, okay? You follow the Lord God. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen Suck on like you